Festival podcast producer Trent here. Hope you're doing well. Last minute change of guest from uh, what was announced and scheduled on today's episode. Unfortunately, Sophie Hagen couldn't make it. So Sarah Pascoe is joining us along with the poet Luke Wright chatting to Robin and Josie and doing some poems as well. The tip jar at cosmicshambles.com slash stay at home is almost empty. We have sent out lots of money to various artists that are struggling at the moment and to six different theatres and art centres that we know are in real crisis at the moment. So if you'd like to help out, so we have an arts and a comedy uh, and a live scene to go back to once all this is over consider dropping a tip in the jar at cosmicshambles.com slash stay at home or if you'd like to support us and what we do at Cosmic Shambles we'd appreciate that as well that's patreon.com slash bookshambles here is today's episode good morning how are you Josie oh I'm fine I can't complain I will complain that's what the show's about that's part of its theme isn't it it starts off with a moment of complaint but by the end of it it's elation we go on a full John Hughes narrative arc that's the idea um the uh when we were just talking before we went we we, we started about that it, yesterday I, I noticed again there was a kind of uh it felt that in that sixth week people had really been hit by uh, a level of gloom but even just here the loss of sun yeah sorry no, no, sorry. Just hearing the sixth week, it's like, yeah, that's long. That's long. That's a lot of time. <laughs> but that is, I, I think, just the, the lack of sun coming through a window had an enormous effect. And that's, again, the interesting thing with, with this period of time, which is um, minor changes that would normally go, well, not minor changes, it's quite a major change, you know, weather, all that kind of thing, and the basic, you know, the, the nature of the atmosphere and the planet and all that kind of stuff. But we haven't got time for that. I'll let Brian Cox deal with that on another day. But it's, um, but those things are going, oh, there's, right. The light has changed. I needed that light. I didn't realise how much that form of light was vital for a sense of contentment. Mm, completely. This is why my ankle. I swear, swear to God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it sawn off and get a wooden one in place just to teach it a lesson. And also for a brilliant show and tell. Nothing <laughs> would be better than as I see you picking up. Is that a bloodied foot? It's my bloodied foot. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's good. Um, have you got? We should tell everyone what we've got today. We've got uh, Sarah Pascoe's uh, two, two guests from the first week, actually, which is great yes. to have back. We've got Sarah Pascoe uh, with us again, who is now fully recovered. The last time we had her on, she was not. We'll, we'll find out uh, about all of those things. Uh, but now she's she's fully well, and with luck, uh, her beautiful dog will keep wandering past her webcam, which it's been doing in the last fifteen minutes uh, in so many different angles uh, from uh, uh, his master's uh, voice, and uh, and also. So we have Luke Wright, the poet Luke Wright is going to be joining us. Uh, mentioned that tomorrow we've got Marcus Brigstock and Rachel Paris. And then on uh, Friday, we have uh, Pragya Agarwal, who has written a fantastic book uh, about unconscious biases uh, called Sway. And also uh, the psychologist Richard Wiseman. And I'll just get, I'll, so I'll get all the housekeeping out of the way. And there's a tip jar at the bottom. And we use that to uh, kind of build up uh, a fund for uh, people in the arts and also for art centres and other institutions, etc., to try and make sure sure that they're still able to open when all of this is over and done with and uh and I've just been told Steve Pretty. Other, sorry we also, we also have steve pretty tomorrow uh founder of the hackney colliery band is that what it's called the incredible yeah, yeah the hackney colliery band yeah um and we have uncle frank from the fun loving criminals on friday which 
What a treat. Who would have thought you and I would be hosting Uncle Frank from the Fun Loving Criminals? I have so, to say one of the most amazing moments, I don't know if you were at Glastonbury that year, um, was the Fun Loving Criminals. I think they headlined the Sunday, as far as I remember. This must have been late 90s. And uh, halfway through their set, uh, everyone's leaping around and everyone's in that wonderful where they've been in a field for three to four days where they've entered a new kind of e- even without any any form of, of, of pharmaceuticals there is still the sleeplessness the amount of kind of you know music and enter all of those things that have gone on you, you get to a different level of kind of strange tired uh reverie and uh, and halfway through their set they then just did about a 10 minute reenactment of a scene from scarface and it was yeah. i've never seen <laughs> You know, a, a kind of a short play being done on the pyramid stage before. And uh, it, it was highly impressive. I think if they'd done that on Friday, it wouldn't have worked so well. But on Sunday, people were open to so many different forms of art. Mm, people would be thrilled. Absolutely. Um, how are you? What's your show and tell today, Robin? My show and tell is uh, Jeff Towns, our friend Jeff Towns, who uh, runs the uh, Dylan's Mobile Book uh, Shop, which is fantastic, out of a, a, a mobile library and uh, old mobile library. And you can actually go on. He's on Instagram and Facebook. And if you go there, Jeff is, is putting up nine new books every single day. Uh, a weird. He has such an interesting. I, I've bought. You'd love this one, Josie. This is one that I bought from him recently. This is from uh, the early. 70s the great brain robbery uh, <laughs> this is from the popular publishers uh moss side press limited uh kind of somewhere between libertarians and anarchists uh and it's about the nature of the education system you can be both, kind of... can be both. yeah yeah the uh um lots of kind of uh, yeah he's got loads of interesting things and i noticed the other day that in, in one of the shots that he put up there was this thing here and sexton support group and I was immediately fascinated because uh, Anne Sexton was a, 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 a fascinating uh, poet um, who uh, sadly killed herself. And um, and I just wondered what it was. And so I just this is uh, a, a single poem um, from hazardpress.co.uk. And uh, there we go. It folds out beautifully there. Wraiths is the name of, uh, of, of, of the poet. And then it is just a, inside is a poem. So this is a poem where I meet Anne Sexton, where I'm three years old and lost. I'm three years old and lost. And she picks me up in the foyer of the Royal Festival Hall in London. Anne Sexton picks me up when I run away from my mother in the foyer of the Royal Festival Hall. And I run straight into the sheer legs of Anne Sexton, talking to men, a circle of men around her. I run straight into her legs and she laughs and it goes on. It's just a very, uh, I, I, I love these kind of it's, it's it's a beautifully made piece of work just a single poem and then i was interested i just read this morning in the back it gives a little bit of the background about um Anne sexton who was apparently um heckled by wh uh, Auden in one of her first uh, appearances and then it does also have um a connection to um also um kind of various groups uh mental health uh, care groups and uh, and um, suicide awareness groups who just said this pamphlet is the first in a series of texts informed by a voice coming from him, a work in progress looking at the long-term effects of childhood bullying, homophobia and teenage suicide and how we can support people experiencing similar situations and it has a connection at the bottom to uh, Maytree maytree.org.uk um, which is a really uh, great charity which uh, as someone I know uh, 
friend of mine um, works for. And it's uh, to give people, uh, young people who are feeling uh, suicidal, it gives them five days uh, in this kind of uh, this, this, this house where they just have, uh, you know, whatever a, a attention or whatever need might be seen as, as being helpful. So Maytree, if you don't know about Maytree, but anyways, that, that's, I just, it had a, for, for a very small piece of paper, turned into wonderful shapes and with words in it it had a lot of information so there that's the Anne Sexton uh support group and and do find out more about Maytree because it does I, I, I know it does really really good work that's really that's really cool. cool and it's really um putting into perspective how frivolous my one is <laughs> oh I'm sorry if I it's not another dinosaur is it no it's this somebody came to my show in Reading uh and they and they made a tea towel of my face, and I forgot that it was. So I ended up using it and washing it in the washing machine, which has really, really made it washed out. Which is the dumbest thing I've ever done. But what I like about it is, it actually kind of looks like my face, like it's not trying to flatter me or anything. And I like it because I was like, oh yeah, that looks like me. I mean, obviously, I don't have as many kind of clear horizontal, uh, vertical wrinkles, but. It's actual face size. Look at that. I love it. I love I love the idea of the tea towel of Dorian Gray. And Dorian's just, what do you mean you put the tea towel in the dishwasher? Dorian, are you all right? Uh, not anymore. That's wonderful. I love that kind of, I mean, you've always had such interesting things where people will just kind of go, uh, hope you don't mind, made you this. Yeah. This kind of that 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 make a do thing. That is a lovely tea towel. You're very tired today, aren't you? I am because I'll tell you why. I did this gig last night and I had so much adrenaline afterwards. I was lying in bed and I was just like, <laughs> because I guess it's just not the same doing but it online. That is but it is still vital, isn't it? Because that's what I found last night, yesterday, because it was raining, I didn't have a chance to do as much kind of exercise as I normally do, which meant I was far more annoying to live with between 8 and 11, the traditional adrenaline burst uh, showing off time for all of us. And normally, I think, because I've done enough exercise, I've just managed to take the edge off that, just a few stupid voices and uh, an improvisation, you know, turning to your son. Give me, uh, give me a place, give me a celebrity, and uh, give me an object. Right, let's see what I can do. Dad, we just watched Simpsons. No, no, no. Let me do some impro. I'll, I'll what probably try to do something. <laughs> but yeah, I think you're. And so I think I, I had that one day where uh, the biggest. What is the the biggest burst of adrenaline once you've actually started? So not your early early gigs, because uh, I was thinking that the huge burst of adrenaline that I found was impossible to get rid of. The first time of doing the show set list, oh. where you you know you're, you're given for those who don't know uh basically up up on a screen come different kind of phrases or a single word or whatever and then you have to improvise around it but not um as in that kind of you know i'm finding an input you have to pretend these are the routines you do every single night so you have to deliver them with a real kind of you know chutzpah as well and that is you've done that I, I quite like that show because i think the pressure's off because if it's crap, people end up just being like, well, you did do it. And you're like, I did. I did. It was terrible. Also, I think sometimes your brain just gift gifts you things in that environment. Your brain will just be like, okay, fine. I've made that connection for you. There you go. And you're like, oh, thank God. Thank God. So I find it quite thrilling. Um, the worst adrenaline I've ever had was before I was doing, it's a long time ago in Australia, there was a, sh a TV show where you had to improvise, where they basically drop you into a scene 
and everyone and it's called thank god you're here and everyone goes oh thank god you're here and i remember sitting backstage thinking i'm gonna break my arm because that's the only way i'm gonna get out of this like being the most frightened i've ever felt before going on stage and being like i need to break my arm because that's the you know i can't do this if i break my arm i'm not at fault they can't i can't be in trouble and then i'll be able to get out of this so that's what i really remember Oh, because, yeah, I, I think any of those, imp- like, because I think one time I did set list, it was like Dylan Moran was on, oh, Greg wow. Proops was on, and you and you get a different form of adrenaline to that normal fear pre-gig or whatever it is. And I did find, I could, I think Phil Jupiter's described set list as catnip for comedians. And mm. I remember that after the first time of doing it and having a lot of fun doing it. And then one comedian, you know when you find out comedians don't necessarily understand comedy, right? <laughs> I ended up doing this routine involving Bertrand Russell's tricycle or something like that. Yeah, to be honest, I was lucky. They were giving me stuff I'd written already. No, but I was, I ended up, and occasionally I'd get angry with the audience going, I don't understand how you're not getting this. This stuff kills, right? Because I'm <laughs> pretending that I normally have a routine. And then afterwards, this mate of mine went, oh, yeah, you, you get a little bit angry with the audience. And I went, no, 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 I was, I was playing the part of someone who's doing their set list. And never mind. Anyway, there we are. Um, I know someone else who's done set list. Uh, that's the best segue we can get. Oh, we've got segue. Beautiful segue. I'm going to ruin the segue, though, because Trent, who our producer, who generally we respect and admire, he always goes, mention the tip jar, mention the tip jar. And just as I was about to mention the tip jar, he went, oh, mention Uncle Frank, right? So that ruined it. Anyway, there's a tip jar, and we use it to uh, get uh, basically a resource for some of the people that we know who are kind of up against it at the moment, as you probably have read that um, about 85% of comedians currently at the moment still haven't found any other way of kind of financial uh, uh support and so we're building up a resource to kind of help out some of those people and also to help out some of the art centers we've given to uh i think five or six art centers so far to give them uh, a little bit of, of funding to help them keep going so that's where the tip jar money goes right happy now trent our producer poor trent everyone's everyone's turning on each other it's only yeah, been six it's weeks. late Shut up, Joseph. Uh. <laughs> Get him out for his run. <laughs> Where's his kettlebells? Where's his kettlebells? <laughs> um, so we are joined by, and uh, the terrible thing was, because I can see her on screen and no one else can, I could see that the adrenaline rose for her to get ready to do the on-screen face, and then we've gone off on a tangent, and now she's all over the shop. 14 minutes past 10. Sarah Pasco. <laughs> Sarah Pasco. <laughs> There we are. We did it. Oh, perfect. hello. Yeah. How we are did. you? It was really nice thinking of. Yeah, I'm good, actually. I'm good. Uh, I have a thing sunshine. I think that um, we f- happens every year because we don't get done. The first few days, late April, early May, it's just the best feeling. It's, it makes you feel proud to be British. Everyone in London, it makes you feel hopeful about the summer. They always go away, and then you remember, oh, no, this is Britain. Mm. Why did I get tricked into thinking we were a Mediterranean country? Um, yes, there is always like the secret good week. Yeah, and just it just makes you go, oh, it's all going to be okay, and it's literally just sunshine. <clears throat> it's like if you're watching an election and the results come in, but there are only like five constituencies, and it's like a hundred percent good. Red. And you yeah, go, yeah. oh my god, I dreamed of this. Yeah, <laughs> and then you yeah. go to bed and you're like, well. I'm yeah. sure this is fine. Yeah. 
the exit yeah, polls were really wrong. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's a horrible thing. Horrible. There, things at two minutes past ten, Rotherham call it. Oh, Rotherham's gone to Labour, so everyone's going to go to Labour. There we are. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Night. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stop the block universe um, there. So you're feeling better. Did you? Were you ill? Yeah. I was ill for a couple of weeks, right at the beginning of lockdown. Weeks, right at the beginning of lockdown, yeah. with something. Obviously, it's not confirmed, but I think I had the virus, and my boyfriend had it as well. Um, so, I was ill for a couple of weeks, but now much, much better. And I think I've, um, I think I've got used to being inside all the time. I think I've got Stockholm syndrome now for staying in, and reading in the bath. It does make going outside feel really odd and like oh. makes everything smaller, doesn't it? Yeah. Like the end of the road to, is so far. I had to go to Guildford appointment and so I had to go on public transport and you have to show people the proof that you have a medical reason to go. Oh. And I felt naughty the entire time. I felt like, and, and then I only felt safe when I got back to the house. That must have been really, gosh, I'm like, like wow, you went I know. way to but Guildford. I, Guildford, I know. And also I can't, I can't describe to you how strange it was being because obviously everyone there is a, a kind of a, a key worker, someone who has to go into work and everyone was so distant. But I'm glad I saw it because it's so creepy and and it's like the end of the world. Wow. Yeah. yeah so I feel like such a village rude because I'm like, oh, my God, tell me more. About this cube, you are. <laughs> My daughter is getting so sort of situation that yesterday she said to me, "Can we go in a car?" Oh, she's wow. too like, yeah. "Can we go in a car?" And I had to go like later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's not been on any wheeled vehicle bar the pram for two months. Yeah, and even she's had enough, but yeah. she's just bored at two. Yeah, yeah. She's like, "Let's get in a cab, mum." Yeah. Does she want one of those ones where you put the money in, though, like a fairground, like a, su- a, super- <laughs> a, su- a supermarket car, not just like an Uber? I wonder if they're allowed. No. So you'd have to buy your own one. <laughs> I'm sure there is someone in kind of Angel that has one in their garden. Imagine buying your own one. Put a pound in every time. Yeah. Someone coming and collecting the money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a Ken Loach film about, film about that. It's really yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, it really got me. I had to turn it off for a bit because <laughs> all the their pounds. <laughs> so you're reading a lot. What are you? What have you read in lockdown that you've enjoyed? Oh, I've read so many books that I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed. I'm, I'm currently reading this. I bet Robin's already read this. Um, oh, I've got it. Is it the Sapolsky one? Yes. Yeah. Oh, Robin, you're going to... It's so It's so good. And it's it covers absolutely everything. And there's so many studies in it I'd never heard of. There were so many kind of studies after studies and the things where it was replicated. And it's everything, really, that we're kind of... Um, Robin and I were talking, Joe, just before you came on, about um, the rise in domestic violence with the lockdown. And that's something that I think all of us find, if we haven't experienced it, so unfathomable. How can one person seem in real life to be high-functioning good person and at home become a terror a terrorist to somebody it's those kind of behaviors that he's kind of talking about kind of from an evolutionary uh, um, perspective but also understanding the brain and chemicals and the things that might cause it anyway it's, it's so good so I'd really recommend this to anybody who wants a really fantastic non-fiction book and that book Sway you just you're talking to the author of Sway I've yeah, just been Frank, sent that yeah. That looks amazing. Yeah, no, I really, yeah. enjoyed, I, I thought it was very, very interesting. I read it a, a, a while ago. And it was un, unraveling unconscious. Yeah, uh, which is such an interesting thing because it doesn't matter what your belief system is, 
that then means you have biases in the rest of your life. And all, and all of us think we're kind of above that and it doesn't affect us. And that kind well, of that, thing. That's what is, I think, the, one of the reasons the book is great is because it is, you know, you're constantly aware. It gives you that kind of, not the hypervigilance is a good thing, but it does yeah. make you go, hang on a minute, I have to think about what my reality has been yeah. and start to just see if I can at least do a kind of thought experiment to step out of it. Why do I have these presumptions? Or even, so, again, those unconscious things where you realise that in the community you were brought up in, mm. just because it's a bit like that thing when people go, oh, well, look, you're having a go at the headline, but that's not what the article says. Now, as we know from research that the headline is the most important thing. So even the act of walking into a news agent in the mm. old days did that, even the act of seeing those headlines, that is going in. There is a little yeah. bit which is just slightly swaying you. And, and I think, yeah, those things are... But yeah, the Sapolsky book, I read the first 100 pages and it's a huge book, isn't it? Yeah, I, I dropped it in the bath, so it's bigger now. It got sw swollen. <laughs> That's what I love about you. I always can tell if you've you really, really enjoyed, enjoyed a book because you immediately place it in water, hoping yeah. it will take even longer to finish. It's an even yeah. bigger book now. Super, and you have to be so gentle with the soggy pages. Yeah. <laughs> Makes me read slower. Oh, nothing breaks my heart more. Well, lots of things do actually, Dan. Yeah. But when you buy, you've got a lovely book that you love, and on the first day you decide to read it in the bath, and you're clumsy and you drop it in there. I don't yeah. my copy of Richard Feynman's Pleasure of Finding Things Out. Ah, the um I found out not to read it in the bath. Yet, <laughs> <laughs> <Get? laughs> yeah. but you, so I think you. Uh, it might be true actually of of, of all three of us that. A lot of your life is doing uh, is is working out doing homework about everything. Yeah, because, like, that that's what like independent uh, researcher. Yeah, you go. Ah, oh, I want to do. I want to know more about that. Well, I'll pretend I'm going to be doing a stand-up show about that, which might actually yeah. be a stand-up show. And therefore, yeah. this is now not fun reading, though it is fun. It's or, fun. Yeah. Special homework. Yeah. I think sometimes I think that books are our news. I think that books are our newspapers. Like I don't want uh, necessarily a, a, an easier to digest version. I want to go to like the source and go, okay, tell me the actual study they did and then I'll decide. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that is always, I, I think over the years talking to more and more scientists, that realization that, more often than not, newspaper article about a piece of research, you, you, as you said, so just terrible. skip that. Find, yeah. I mean, it's quite hard as well because some stuff, like even you know, in, in magazines like Nature, mm. for those of us who are not scientists but have an interest, it can be very, very dense and it can have a language which is yeah. not a language we use. So it is a great thing, especially because of social media. You can yeah. access lots of researchers and, so, and say, can you basically translate this yes. from your perspective as as a as a scientist and researcher? Mm. Yeah, that's what's great about that's what's great about kind of popular science writing because I think it's always aimed at people who are interested, but it doesn't assume you have any kind of knowledge. I think that's what's brilliant about yeah, book, books like that and writers like that. Um, yeah, I'm reading the Bernardine Ever Everisto book as well. Have you read that one? The one that won the Booker Prize. It's really no, I brilliant. read Mr. Mr. Loverman. He's great. Uh, That's the oh, first okay. one of hers that uh, I read. Yeah. But you know, I've not read this one. Tell us a bit about that. Oh, well, it's, it's very, very now. And it's lots and lots of different characters. And so far, they're, they're all black women who live in London. They come from kind of uh, all different backgrounds, economically, creatively. And so it's a really, really enjoyable read. You miss every character when you move on to the next one. But it also, there's a lot of social commentary in there and I wouldn't say that it's buried it's more like you're having a conversation with someone 
who has strong opinions because she's a student at Ox Oxford for the first time yeah. and kind of judging uh, the establishment. Um, girl, woman, girl, other, or girl, oh, woman, right. other. Yes, the one yeah. that won the Booker Prize. Yeah, it's really good. And it's a really, uh, yeah, easy to read kind of, um, yeah. yeah. That's kind oh, of, isn't it? feels like a wonderful romp but it's yes also a pleasure yeah a pleasure to read is what i should have said not easy a pleasure to read i said wanted to go back I'm trying to see what else is on the pile um oh i read a book that you recommended on um book recommended on um book shambles um richard um Brannigan, um the abortion oh, oh yeah, richard yeah. brotigan yeah 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 brotigan, brotigan yeah i read it on um, i was gonna yeah. say no fielding i think that was yes. probably on my, he he loved yeah absolutely I, adores richard brotigan yeah, yeah. I, I i bought it ages ago when i heard that, that book shambles and then um it's so small i thought oh, i'll read a small book and i couldn't believe how good it was yeah. like how funny and exciting and and, yeah and again that, that felt like a huge social commentary while never ever trying to be yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was so good yeah i've got i've got trout fishing as well that i'll read now that's, that, that's the odd thing though isn't it which is uh i think there's a lot of author where you go i must get and it's the same with films as well uh that eventually that? because you know because it's a it's a good thing to do mm. and you, oh, you kind should. of made, yeah, made the presumption that it's 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 going to be work and then you'll be able to talk about it mate. and then you go oh there's a reason people have been banging on about this yeah. for years there's a reason that people love this and they don't just love it because they go oh i actually have a big fan mm. of tarkovsky they love it because they go bloody hell this is amazing yeah. but I think there is a slight problem sometimes and i, and I think within our, our world it's you know where we are caught between you, you've got what i would call the world of the london review of books where you kind of go i would never be able to write a book that would ever get reviewed in that or you know in the kind of people the way that those people talk would, would be you know i've had that where hey once where you know i, I had they said go come to this party i was like mm. and i went there and i had this person going oh hello what do you do and i went oh comedy and i do some science shows oh what science shows do you i'll do a thing on radio Four. Oh, what is it then um i was called the infinite monkey cage oh i listen to the life scientific with jim al-khalili you know so you always feel you always feel like a cheap turn but every now and again you yeah. something that's kind of considered to be higher culture so then the uh, other cheap turns also consider you to be a pretentious ass as well yeah you can't actually hang around with the pretentious asses yeah. kind of caught not quite in the in the, the the lovely world of the cheap turn you go i i'm an imposter in everything you know yeah I don't know what any um, of that had to do with anything. Well, I, you, you maybe remember I went to Hay once and I got, I've only ever once been invited to a party and um, I just kind of stood on the edges feeling very like, you know, because you're by yourself. I was by myself. But the dance floor had Salman Rushdie dancing with Benedict Cumberbatch. And that's the best thing I'll ever see in my life. <laughs> Can what you remember what dance? they were dancing to? Yeah. Come on, Eileen. <laughs> <laughs> So the um, are you researching something at the moment? Because you've just had your, your, your second book, Animal Without, yeah. uh, very... Yeah, Sex, Power, yeah. Money. Yeah, we were supposed to have yeah, yeah. We were supposed to have the paper back out in May, but it's been moved to August. Um, I'm researching kind of loosely. Like, um, I, I think I'm going to write a book about murder and the things you can learn from murder, because that's the thing I'm most interested in, actually. And there's lots of... Um, really interesting social aspect there's really interesting the law of murders you know the fact that like cuckold's defense used to exist where it if you came back and your partner your wife was cheat has, was cheating on you you were allowed to kill her um and that was a, that was a valid defense 
and no, so there's things that are really interesting about the history of it and what that says about how society used to be structured. But there are things even now, you know, like the gay panic defence. For a really long time, if uh, a man felt that another man was coming on to him and he killed him, that was seen as reasonable behaviour. But also people would then obviously as an excuse, you know. Of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there's, and there's a thing now because trans people have a very, so very... Trans people have a very, very... Especially trans women, a very, very high rate of murder, much, much higher than the rest of the population. Sex workers have a much... Um, uh, uh, much more in danger of being murdered than anyone else and both of those re the reasons behind those things are really interesting so that's what I'm interested in at the moment but I haven't started writing anything just listening to lots of murder po podcasts it's a difficult thing isn't it because I I remember when I was kind of Brian Masters who wrote the uh, uh, the book about um, Dennis Nielsen killing for company oh yeah which is a good an book. yeah he, he was originally a kind of more of an academic writing books about Camus and stuff like that mm -hmm. And um, and I started to read more of those books and then very quickly found out that it takes, like, I suppose like every genre, it takes a long time to find a book where you go, oh, this is actually written from a place which is psychologically interesting, which is not merely the, because I it's think it's, it's, it's a hard, I, I was just seeing that, um, uh, is it Hallie Rubinold, uh, Rubinold? Oh, yes, just, The Five. You know, her, her, yeah. her, her, her book, The Five. And, you know, where sometimes removing what eventually becomes the glamour of mm. of the murderer mm. and when and when you do read from the properly from deborah delano wrote a, a great novel which is kind of partly based on uh the yorkshire ripper oh, but yeah. it's very much you know the perspective we see so much through the eyes yeah. of uh the sex workers who uh yeah. you know and 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 other victims yeah. and you and it just and it totally changes the story it totally yeah. changes it's what also it, much more interesting the social commentary like why are certain people vulnerable so the Yorkshire Ripper is a very interesting uh, thing and also especially because how did he evade because he was he was interviewed so many times by the police but it's actually much more interesting to look at what it says about society than just one person but people can't help being fascinated with a serial with a serial killer in particular because we want to know what makes a person like that because I can't imagine it I guess so there is a, so I think we can't help being fascinated but yeah, the people who have been killed by them have their own really valid, really interesting stories. The Five is so, that's another book that you just tear through. That's the Halle uh, Rubenfeld one. Um, it's really, really, really interesting. What's that one about? So, it's, well, Ripperologists hate her. So she's ah. written a book, she's written a book um, yep. researching the five canonical victims of Jack the Ripper. And she has some really interesting theories. So for instance, in terms of like sex work or prostitution or um, being trafficked, all of those things back then, they weren't exactly as we'd understand now because some of those women may occasionally have sold sex out of desperation or for a bed or they'd have had like very short-term relationships. But being an unfortunate in Victorian times just meant you weren't with your husband. <laughs> so, uh, so they were all alcoholics, um, all five of the women, and they all occasionally rough slept. And her theory is that Jack the Ripper kills women who were drunk and asleep on sleeping rough and that's why they were so quick and that's why nothing was ever heard because a couple of the victims even in their court cases their family their partner other people around said they they weren't they weren't prostitutes so the press spun a story really early on there was an angry man who was trying to clear the streets of prostitutes 
and and so that seeing the media's role in it as well because they sold so many papers this was like the beginning of just like doesn't matter what it is to do with this story let's just print it let's just hawk it out and so they created a narrative which then fed into a whole thing and the women's actual lives were completely uh, irrelevant really so it's, and it's really interesting because women then couldn't rent houses couldn't own property if your husband died and you, you kind of often had nothing. If your if your family kicked you out, it, it's it's really difficult to because we always impose our own societal structure. You realise, oh, what would happen to you or I now if our partner died or we got kicked out of the house for drinking too much? Isn't what happened back then? Mm. So that's what it's so well researched. Also, just so interesting and also mm. so shocking to think that this after all this time, is a new angle. Yeah. 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 And it's it's just interesting to think about. And then people, there's some people who have criticised her saying, stop saying that sex work is bad by defending these women saying they weren't sex saying they weren't sex workers and that's not what she's doing. She's actually trying to make you put it in a context of understanding because it's not what we imagine. Mm. I was I was chatting to a guy who works in a, in a prison, and he said one of the things that because I think so th- through cinema very there often is uh, such an elevation of uh, mass murderers, serial killers. They they turn into strange, charismatic figures, mm. and all of these. And and he said the thing is that of the people he'd worked with who'd, who'd committed, he said most of them, he said, are just incredibly boring people. They're very, very boring, and there is no and and the, the act they committed. There is then no some you know it, it's and I, and I think it's a it's a very you know it's a strange and it's interesting to see more authors now. Uh, I think that there's someone who recently wrote a book about um, Sandy Hook, and he basically removed every. The, the, it's not about the person who committed yeah. the act; it's about all of the other people. Yeah. It, it, it involved in, it, in that and all the ramifications and I, th- I think that's kind of quite an important narrative that like, sounds so interesting I think because that's actually another area where we get sucked in like the idea of like, like the idea of like modern Nazis and those websites and the things that they write and how they collude with each other it's another kind of like one of those dark black holes that you end up going down because you are so interested like where does that come from how do you start off a kind of miserable teenager we were all miserable teenagers but if you get a certain kind of information or stimulation, you go down that route. Yeah. The um, We'll come back and we'll talk more about this. And it's uh, we're going to pop over and uh, see uh, Luke Wright, uh, who's joining us. We're going to have a quick... And, and I'll just mention, by the way, the, the, the novel that I mentioned by Deborah Delano is called The Saddest Sound. And uh, Saddest Sound. I, I, thought, I thought it was a very, uh, very interesting... And uh, and and also, I mean, it's interesting. Some anyone who's who's not yet read, and I know there'll be quite a few. Alan Moore's Jerusalem. Again, there's some very interesting, you know, in the early chapters of that as well. The the, the way that um, he's he's. I mean, I think he's so good as you know many great writers are at taking you into someone else's mind and giving you a sense of someone else's sometimes very difficult and problematic lives and experience. And he's he's brilliant for that. Um, Luke, right? Good morning. Can good you morning. Hear me? How are you? I'm good. Oh, you're, you're fine. Right? Yeah, I'm good. I'm I'm so tall. Are you, are you not hearing me? Okay. No, you're coming so through. I'm... You know what? Normally, there's a little bit of fragmentation at the beginning. So apologies to everyone for that. But you will. You will. I'm sure it's going to be fine. Um, you're doing about. Uh, you do, is it a gig? Is it a gig every single night? Every single like, night. Yes, I've just done a uh, forty-one. Um, uh, forty-one night was last night. I'm keeping them. Uh, 
So, yeah. Because <laughs> I said I'd do it. This will be great. When I'm, hit, when I'm hitting gig 100, that'll be really impressive. But I've forgotten that the, it's a slog, isn't it? As you know, Robert. As you know, Josie. <laughs> yeah, there are. But it does. Yeah. That giving you some framework for the day. I, I think, I, have you found that yeah. even though I'm sure there's some evenings where you go, do you know what? I, 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 it's not there today. I don't fit. But like, like gigging generally, yeah. when you're on tour, there are times that you get to a town, you yeah. think, I don't think I've got that in me today. I don't want to go on. And then you go, yeah, it's fine. Good, good. I've done it. I have had that adrenaline. Though, of course, for Josie, that means she hasn't now slept for 24, 36 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, 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 yeah, of course, you get I always have the six o'clock slump when you're when you're sitting in a dressing room somewhere and it's cold and you're a long way from home and um, that's quite miserable and obviously that doesn't happen so much here because at six o'clock I'm still giving my kids dinner and uh, you know or sitting down and it's, it's it's nice to, uh, to 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 be at home but then it's a funny thing when you come off stage so to speak because then you have all that sort of post gig sort of um, adrenaline like you were talking about earlier on um, and what do you do with that well I I just go on line again and here at my desk so um yeah <laughs> that, that's not so good so i don't know trying to sort of maintain our lifestyle uh with also trying to do gigs as well is is i don't know you've got we've getting got there quite... i'm getting there like please can you not hear me all right it's a little bit it's a little bit frank 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 i'll try taking these out you and i wonder if i can hear you can you hear uh, us now one second guys apologies for this um this is so real josie no it's absolutely real isn't it it's happening right it's happening now. now it's happening right now yeah on the speaker uh, can you, you can hear me better now yeah is that working well i was i was especially thinking that in some ways, it, sentences are fine because they can be fragmented and we can manage to... to <laughs> but poetry really does get affected by yeah, the loss yeah, of occasional yeah. adverbs. I was, trying to be, I was trying to be clever and wear my little in-the-ear in things, but, um, but you know, there you go, full on my face. Can George I enjoy your I, show and tell earlier? I want to... I'll see your uh, Jeff Towns uh, uh, item, and this is something that Jeff gave to me once, which oh. is a press shot of Sir John Betjeman which they've used for his book. So they've had a Tipex round the edge of his face. So this is before we had sort of computer desktop publishing. So Jeff gave me that. I don't know what to do with it, but I have oh, it. Oh, it's great. I love that. Idea. And, That's the thing about Jeff is he just has this mm -hmm. archive every single day when he puts up every stuff. Every single day when he puts up stuff. There's always, and I also know how he manipulates. I don't know. I'm sure you found that. He knows who uh, his purchasers are going to be. He knows. Yeah, he, and, and, and he'll go, that one will get Robin. That'll definitely yeah, yeah, get yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Josie, I'll, I'll and I raise you this cushion. Oh, <laughs> that somebody gave to me at a gig. Is that hand embroidered? There's a hand embroidered cushion of my face. It's astonishing. <laughs> it's really amazing. astonishing. And your the best thing we can do is just sit on it. And they're feeling particularly aggressive towards. Yeah, we, we all take turns. Yeah, we, we all take turns to sit on dad. Oh, bad parenting <laughs> isolation. The cushion is a great <laughs> idea. The. Uh, See, that's one Jeff knew that I would, you know, the moment he put that up, he thought, I know he's going to purchase about spirits and Macumba there. And of course, yeah, there we are. That was, uh, I love all those things. The, um, 
the festivals, of course, you are so much, you know, that's where we normally meet up. Every year yeah. we bump into each other three or well, four we, times. We have a thing that it's, you're, you're like the groundhog to us, Robin. <laughs> yeah. So, so when, once we've seen Robin in for a year, that we, that we know it's now summertime. So sometimes we have some really long summers because we see we see you at some, in late March at Larn. So then I said to John Osborne, I said, summer is here, John. We've spotted the lesser spotted Ince. He's out. He's out and about. Summer can commence. And he's tweeting away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but that loss this year because I mean last year I think the first first festival after Lawn that we saw each other at would have been Port Elliot, which w- was going to be no more anyway. Latitude probably. Latitude maybe. And then there was or Latitude. Yeah. Oh yes, you're right. I'm doing that the wrong yeah. order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those um and this year, how do you feel about the fact that this this that's such a vital? You know, when I see you wandering around a festival, you look so energised. You look, so, <laughs> and it is it's a beautiful, beautiful you know thing as well, which is a lot of the festivals. I was mentioning Jeff before, and you know when his book bus turns up, very often there'll be kind of uh, impromptu ad hoc poetry readings, mm. and that gives a you know a tremendous yeah. of, of possibilities it's thing. And it's, and for us, you know, we we live quite solitary lives. I think when you get to the stage when you're doing your own tours and you going to art centers and theaters and you're not doing a circuit so much you don't see your colleagues and who are often you know your close mates and people you've known for many many years i've known you wrong both of you guys probably for getting on for 20 years now yeah. um and um and yeah and it's so it's like our it's our, like our annual general conferences except there's many of them and and uh, and there's, there's there's no uh there's no seminars we just get to get hammered and have a good time and obviously i'm sad about that but i think that's part one of the reasons i immediately went right i'm going to do these gigs it wasn't so much that even to, i mean the structure is useful but it was like i wanted to have something to look forward to i wanted to be doing something rather than sitting here just crossing stuff out of my diary and feeling sad about it so yeah. I, i'm trying not to dwell on it it's not nothing we can do thinking my friend was uh, um, talking to me on a video chat the other night and she was going let's plan the night out we're gonna have when this is over and i said like, i don't want to because it's just making me feel too sad because i just don't know when that's gonna be so i'm trying not to think about it and trying to throw myself into writing new poems that i'm excited about rather than feeling sad about the show that i wrote it's been a year writing that probably will do very few gigs now because I yeah. think I, I I sometimes do get slightly, I, I sometimes do get slightly annoyed with the fact that there is we've talked about this on before there are a lot of people and I think this is quite acceptable there are a lot of people who are just saying I'm not able to create anything I'm not able to do anything I'm not able to read anything I'm finding it really hard mm. but there seem to be so many people saying oh well that that's totally understandable that's totally that, that doesn't sometimes seem to be, be enough encouragement to say you also don't have to feel guilty if you are creating things and if you yeah. want to encourage people and say it is it's a difficult and it's a weird time but if you can really break through it it, it may give you yeah. something so don't don't you don't have to just follow that narrative that says no just slump just just give up on it all that's just the, the way <laughs> yeah, it is no. i think i understand that reaction but i also think yeah. I, I wouldn't want that to be the the kind of the, the go-to position that, that that's it and, and I also know that if I let myself slump, I'm going to be a lot less. You know, I, I, I'm keeping myself, if, if, even if I can't, you know, write a poem or do something, you know, achieve something. Just going for a walk or trying to do a bit of yoga or sitting down and reading my book rather than just flicking through Twitter for an hour. Just little things, little things like that. You know, you've, you've got to what's that? And you, you're actioning yourself into motivation and and actioning yourself into inspiration from, from there. The, the motivation to do something happens. So even if it's just making yourself forcing yourself to make a cup of tea and just get off the sofa and do stuff it's it's good also i've got you know i've got a 10 year old and an eight year old who are with me four days a week now for homeschooling so uh, um I, i'm achieving a lot less than i was uh, when we were still we, we were splitting it more equally before but my uh, my ex-partner still uh, she's working full time so she just can't she can't have the kids that much so uh, and so i'm um, yeah i've got them more 
which is nice. It's nice, you know, because I miss them when I'm when I'm away doing gigs and everything. So I think it's about accepting what has been forced upon us and and making making the best we can rather than than worrying about all the things we can't do because it's that's just kind of useless energy i think yeah useless worry yeah, I feel like that with because my son's twelve, and I do realize twelve, and I do realize that you know the period of time where he is just going to want to be in his bedroom and doing his own thing. So I'm kind of enjoying yeah. that, you know that that that. And I know I know I'm in a fortunate position to have that time and, and all of those things. Mm. But uh, but I am thinking right, this is this is a thing where you go right. This is an, an enforced, very strange working mm. holiday. Uh, it's a very different thing that I think you know. It, it's diff- it's difficult having kids at home. I mean, it'd be you know if you if you were you were if you were in isolation, you know, in lockdown with, uh, in in a new relationship that you're really excited about. That seems to me like the perfect kind of just just the two of you having that. Um, then but then you know also having kids brings lots of fun and enjoyable things with it as well. And and you know it, it takes you away from your adult worries and you can just sort of throw yourself into their activities so i think the thing is it's just just to look at you know and obviously like with us you know all of our work's gone so so, so in that respect it, we've been hit really really hard but then i look at where i am out here in a little town called bungie out in suffolk where, where i'm five minutes walk from the fields and so i feel like I, you know i i I rolled a I rolled rolled a twelve on on that one. Um, yeah, so you know, uh, so, so uh, some things I'm lucky about, some things I've been unlucky, and yeah. I'm just sort of trying to uh, count my blessings best I can. But I think we're all able to feel quite miserable and quite down from time to time, can't we? You know, it's just that's the right. way, way of things. It's about trying to counteract as much as you possibly can, because mm. that yeah, that's the part to sort of fight against, not mm. lean into. Yeah, quite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ac- access to to those who, Ac- who access to to those who who are in the lucky position of having you know access to a slightly wider sky, you know, out out of cities and 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 access to some form of field or whatever. Or if, that it, again, yeah. you just go, wow, the the privilege, the delight. Yeah, to, yeah, to, completely. To, yeah, to, yeah, 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 yeah. And to watch yeah. nature. The um, you have you've got a couple of poems for you today. Uh, yeah. We'll do one at the end, but I want to. Okay, we... the first one now. I hope this isn't too sad for people, but this is uh, this is uh, to, to remind me that that actually when, when I am out there gigging and living my best life, um, often that can be uh, that can not be the best thing either. So this is called a pub gig in the middle of nowhere, and it's about I was doing I've been doing a series of gigs in pubs the last couple of years for this group called the In Crowd, and they're lovely gigs. Off, mostly unticketed so you just sort of stand in in the barroom of a pub and you just do a gig um and it's terrifying because it's not often <laughs> not your crowd it's just a bunch of people who are having a nice pint but they generally go well anyway this is called pub in the middle of nowhere the locals take a pride in it no commerce down these silted lanes a coaching in that's still a coaching in fermented sheltered under hops and shouldering its centuries with all the calm of village cricket Blokes in whites and wives in hats on yeasty afternoons. And I'm here to spin them all some yarns, to tell them things they've known for years and hope the way I do it does the trick, an entertainment older than this horse-brassed hearth. And later in the garden, I meet Daniel. He'd sat there with his parents, sweet and still, all through my show. Seven years old, he tells me, cherub, almost rendered down to boyhood, and so much like my own son, Sam. A milk-faced storm of cleverness and cheek, which comes at me now with questions like weapons. Eventually, his father picks him up, blows raspberries on his stomach, sits them at their table with some chips and rips the ketchup sachet. Wholesome chores of parenthood. Harsh ending. Yeah, that's uh, always one of those poets. <laughs> 
The uh, hello, Sarah. Welcome back. Oh, he's back, he's back. There, there he is. It was, it, was it, it created suspense a tremendous sense of both, and artist uh, suspense and artistic uncertainty, which I think in many ways was very fulfilling as well. It was a real the, uh, for an exit. <laughs> um, I've never I seen someone on? storm off. Yeah, Do you know, it's the first on. time we've had someone storm off. Going, I'll tell you what, they're not reacting to my poem. How <laughs> I'm out of here. Yes, carry on. Okay, fine. Sorry about that. Eventually, his father picks him up, blows raspberries on his stomach, sits him at their table with some chips and rips the ketchup sachet. Wholesome chores of parenthood. It's three nights since I made a meal for mine. And from the car park, the high wheel fields are endless. In this middle of everywhere, I know the enormity of my choices. The wretched, minute realness of being lost at sea. I drive back down the sunken roads, tunnelled by trees that taught us a cold moon, and I my boys' car seats in the rear view, empty, and soon enough they'll go. But I'll still witness boys like Daniel, pulling at a hand in Sainsbury's, thwacking teaspoons on Formica in different strip-lit M4 chains. And perhaps those boys will haunt me, remind me of a time which I, through work and through divorce, have cleaved in two, have taken half of. Dear God, only half. Thank you, Lou. Sorry, yes, yes, sorry to bring the mood down. I always forget how sad the end of that poem is, and then I get halfway through, and um, yeah. <laughs> oh well, thank you very much. We're gonna, we'll, we'll um, you're gonna come back at the end of the show as well for another yep. poem, and uh, so we'll see you in about uh, five or ten minutes. Brilliant. See you in a thank, thank you, um, Sarah. I was gonna, we 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 picked up on this. Uh, briefly before and i, I just wanted because I, I i know that you know some resources you were mentioning when talking about the sapolsky book behave about uh um you know violence and 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 domestic situations at the moment because it is something you know it it's it really the focus and the just yeah it, it's not a discovery because we know these things but again you these these are moments of kind of a certain level of of of, of revelation when everyone is 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 trapped in their own situation and uh, and this you know seeing in the news the the rise in domestic violence and 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 for 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 young people as well and children what advice do you know in terms of where people can access the good information to know what to do oh you're on mute at the moment by the way i think um i think so the main thing is that probably for all of us awareness, because obviously the minute you come into a lockdown, for lots of us, our home is a haven and a safe place, even if we are trapped in it, but for lots of people it isn't. And, um, and so I, the organisations that I've seen, so like Refuge is probably one of the most well-known, um, they look after women who are escaping domestic violence, and they have a phone line for people who are experiencing it, so that's one side of it. And um, being aware of your neighbours... And, and other people can report things if you hear something and you're worried because it's not just the cases of domestic violence, also the deaths, it's, it's murders have, have increased, um, uh, people murdering their partners. And that's a very complicated thing because obviously it happens in homosexual relationships as well. It isn't something that only affects women, is the other thing. Um, and, and so just in general, and all of the organisations who do support people um, have had all of their funding cut. They're already oversubscribed. So the, the terrible situation is if they're underfunded, there is nowhere for people to go. You can't kind of escape. And then uh, uh, going on along with that, you have the fact that there's a, a virus going on. I know that the, um, I've seen people sharing on social media, there's kind of codes that you can say. So because obviously people who were already getting support 
like whether that was therapy or whether that was a support group, they now can't contact, they can't go out for a coffee with their support worker, things like that. So people have got this code about um, asking, have you seen this, Robin, asking someone uh, about, so basically if you text or tweet are you someone saying, are you still selling makeup? It means I'm in trouble. And, 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 the, and, if, and if you say, I think it's about lipstick, then it means can you call the police for me and so don't quote me on that people should look it up but there is a way if you are in trouble letting people around you know and I think the other thing is all of us in our in our circles what kind of happens with people who are being uh, uh, having this situation is that they become more isolated they're pushed away from their family their friends are rejected so it might be if there's someone like that in your circle check in with them if you feel a little bit like, oh, you, you've got someone who is in a relationship and they stopped contacting you or they, they couldn't be on the phone. If you've got an inkling, it might just be checking in with people. and Because it is, it's a horrible thing to imagine, a horrible thing to imagine, whether you're, uh, yeah, for anybody stuck in a house with somebody who uh, is unbalanced or aggressive or any of those things. And we'll, we'll, we'll probably only hear about after all of this is done yeah yeah oh thank you that's 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 really good advice and again like like everything that we a lot of the other things we talked about you know that find reliable resources and and sources of of, of information and we'll we'll try and make sure we'll we'll do a little bit more research and we'll put something up uh under this as well with uh some information as well so we'll, we'll try and get some of that but also if you if you know if any of you uh have have resources or know of institutions or or uh, organizations that, that can help to get, get in contact and we'll make sure that we can kind of spread I that i think it's a little bit important for some people to exercise compassion and suspend judgment a little bit if they like i've seen a lot of people on social media being very very aggressively kind of deciding that they're the people who should be morally policing the lockdown mm, when actually mm. they don't entirely understand what other people's circumstances are yeah and they don't yeah, entirely yeah. understand what may or may not be happening for people and so i think yeah. it's so useful to just take a step back from kind of deciding that this person shouldn't be doing x y and z or this person mm. has no reason to be doing x y and z and to sort of trust that actually you know some people yeah. might be doing something, being out of the house, for example, for a reason which is entirely necessary, yeah, but which yeah. is not necessarily something that, you know, that can easily be ticked off, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I think it is really important that people do understand that, like, different people's circumstances can also be, you know, degrading yeah. to their lives in lots of ways. And, like, not to, yeah, not to go on yeah, and on yeah. at people and make it worse. Compassion is exactly the right exactly word. The right word because I think the minute things become tough, whether it's economically or because people are scared of the virus, it becomes we are normally. Yeah. And I know that there's really great acts of compassion and neighbourliness, but there's also a thing of what looking at other people going. Well, if I'm not allowed to do it, you should be allowed to do it. Mm-hmm. But actually, what you should presume is everyone you see, if they're out in a park with their shirt off, just presume they live in a high block of flats, and that's a key worker on their afternoon off. Just mm-hmm. assume that. Just assume, rather than you thinking it's a selfish person who doesn't care for the well-being of our community, assume the opposite. Think the best of people, because everyone, everyone is going through such a desperate time. Mm. At best, you know, like, yeah, completely. And I think it's important. 
Um, yeah, there's a few people I've I've met who've, who've people I've, I've met who've, who've had that or not met you know c- uh, communicated mm. with who've had that had that moment of saying uh, um, I was doing shopping for my three elderly neighbours and I had loads of shopping bags and someone was shouting to me that I was a hoarder. Yeah, again, yeah. that kind of you might be shopping for someone. The, I mean, yeah. the, on the on the nice side of it as well, which is something that I've seen, you know, when we were talking about compassion stuff. Very often, when I go for a walk, I've always been because I was brought up in the countryside. I always go hello or good morning, and people very often go, "What on earth? Hello, <laughs> good morning. What does hello, good morning mean? What does he know about me?" Whereas <laughs> I, I, I've found recently, when I do my kind of little d- daily walk, mm-hmm. people are that yeah, the distance is kind of respected and everything. And there are some people I think fear hello or a nod or a smile for mm. the fact that it might transform yes. or whatever. But overall. I've seen a real rise in people happily going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, that that little bit of going. There's a little bit of communication there, and again, that's something that we, we hope can when, when eventually this there is some calming of this situation. That the continuation we don't have to return to. Hello, good morning. Yeah, you know, we yeah. can return to you know try and try and maintain that the very small pieces of, of communication in those moments when we can be outside uh i think some of them have really been heightened in a very in a, in a more positive way the trouble we've got have to be on a lead and so oh. um we've got we've got a mixture of people who are st- leaving their dog taking their dog off the lead and then busybody saying your dog should be on a lead but the trouble is it's a common sense thing that lots of dogs if they're on a lead drag you towards another dog so it's actually much less safe than just the dogs roaming around um but so we've got a real kind of divide so walking the dog's very stressful now because it's either you take the dog off the lead and risk being told off or you leave him on a lead and then my dog jumps up at somebody who then thinks he's given them the virus <laughs> I have that with my daughter for a walk mm. uh, and we live by the river path and we're well, more of a can it, it looks like a canal but it's technically a river and then we walk along it and there's so many bikes so many bikes and so my life is just like oh my god it's my daughter about to be plowed down every second oh my gosh yeah there's sort of new odd stresses that have come about yeah very specific to this time yeah yeah well, that's the other thing we've been talking about before as well, which is to try and counter that, try and look at the things that you don't need to feel anxious about. But sometimes, you know, in, in, in periods of, of social distance, there are other things which are not, you know, the anxiety. So sometimes going into that imagination of, hang on a minute, what was I anxious about in February? Do you remember that Tuesday with that worry and that worry and that worry? And hopefully you can find, I know it's hard to find some equilibrium now, but I think that exercise, I've, I've found that uh, quite useful every now and again. Robin, I have to ask you, what's that big thing resting on the door behind you? Oh, what? Oh, what? That which? That that the there? Yeah, the four foot tall. Oh, oh, no, no, it's that. Oh, it's a microphone, but it looks like it's. No, this is no. That that's a telescope. Oh, wow. Of course, of course I've got that's the thing where um on my it must have been about my 40th birthday, maybe maybe a little bit later than that. Uh I used to talk about this where when my son was two years old, right? So so my wife had bought a, a lovely surprise. That was the big surprise, right? And uh, you know, keep it top secret, can't believe it. And it's been fantastic. I've been so lucky to have that. Like, there's a window up there, and I've ma- it's very hard to manage to get the angle right, but looking at the moon and, and really Venus see and so those many things. It's just with the naked eye at the moment. So having a telescope would be incredible. Oh, yeah, just and, and as Chris Lintot said the other day as well, if people are you know, binoculars are very good if the first time when you're first doing astronomy, if you can get it very cheaply, you can get a um, but yeah, so what happened was uh one day my wife was saying, What do you want for your birthday? 
a lunch? And I said, oh, I don't mind anything. She went, no, no, no. What, what, what do you want? Come on, what do you want? I went, no, honestly, I'm fine. I don't. And you know that bit where just tell me what do you want? And I turned to my son. I said, oh, what should I have for my birthday lunch? And he went, a telescope. <laughs> uh, and I went that, that, and I realised what it, I said that doesn't sound very delicious he went it is a telescope so that was that, <laughs> and, and there was that, that, that lovely moment where uh, yeah, and, and what was amazing was my wife later on said I don't even know how he knew it was a telescope because I didn't tell him so it turns out he's been spying on us like a little, like the children of the damned uh, the uh, thank you so much uh, everyone for watching we better go because it's 11 o'clock and now I'm just going to get Mouse to come and say hello oh yeah because it's Trent been just messaged having... me hello what's this what's this oh, so hang on 11 and we're going are we not throwing back to Luke oh, yeah we're going to throw back to Luke right at the end no I just meant Mouse, we're kind of on. yeah yeah, don't worry about that. Um, um, so, so thanks very much, everyone, for watching. We're gonna don't forget the, there's the tip jar and all that stuff at the at, at the bottom as well. Um, I think I'm doing something. There's a, there's a nice little club just outside Hastings called the Bavard Bar or Bavard. I think it's Bavard Bar. And as far as I know, I'm doing something for them tonight at about eight o'clock or eight thirty. I'm doing a thing. Uh, I think it's lots of kind of little mini lectures and stuff. And I think I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the things I learned uh, about psychology. Not uh, not so much when I wrote the book, but when I uh, after oh that I missed it. Oh, I was Sorry. uh, no, again, it was it's a lovely. Can I say though, a lovely presence just during some of those moments? moments oh, I've lost him. Oh, well, <laughs> I pulled my mic out trying to find the dog, he's run off. Oh, my god. Sorry, it's all uh, poet poetry is much more important. So, um, Less exciting. The, um, if at any point uh, it does return in shot, then uh, Luke, you'll have a split screen at that moment. Okay, you'll be doing your poetry, but there will be uh, also canine appreciation for your iambic pentameter as well. Not that I know you may well not be using that today. It's it's your choice. Um, but uh, Sarah, thank you so much. And uh, people, uh, the Sarah's book, Sex Power Money and Animal. Uh, if you've not read uh, either of them, they're really worth reading. They feel and, and uh, Sex Sex Power Money is such a funny. The first the the introduction to that, uh, I think you captured so well that being your voice, but also being able to read. You know, sometimes that divide between the stand up voice and actually going, oh, you can't read this as a book. You capture that being talked to by you so brilliantly in that book so i'd highly thanks recommend it thank you lovely to see you all yeah see you sarah you. thank you so much thanks so much for doing it josie what's your plans for today um i'm doing a streaming gig at 2 p.m with my daughter in tow uh i have to write a song for um uh, i'm being a part of a an online eurovision song contest uh with johnny we're being north macedonia so we need to get our song <laughs> finished and recorded so it's a very busy day for me what about you oh that sounds brilliant well i'm just thinking bavard bar thing tonight and then i'm uh, i'm talking to someone about uh general relativity at midday because that's one of my habits as you know i'm oh, trying yeah. to escape human reality by looking merely at cosmological reality it's Thank been a tremendous so uh relief um Oh, there we are. I'm back in shot. Oh, that everyone Little loves Little mouse. What a good boy. <laughs> and weirdly enough, that's what normally is done for Luke at the end of a poem. He's also given a little biscuit as well. So very uh, the Pavlovian poet. <laughs> um, thanks very much, everyone. But as we mentioned, well, the tip jar at the bottom as well. Uh, and uh, also Wednesday night, um, James A. Castor and Ed Gamble are going to be doing some stuff also on the... Uh, is, it, is it next week? Yeah, they're going to do next off menu podcast with Roisin Connerty, which would be wonderful. 
So that's next Wednesday, uh, Off Menu Podcast, James Acaster, Ed Gamble, Rushing Comedy, uh, as part of the Shamble Stay at Home Festival. Don't forget the tip jar. Uh, if you do happen to have uh, a, a for lots of people and hopefully lots of different art centres as well to make sure there's places for us to go uh, when we're go. allowed out again. Uh, when we're Luke, allowed out again. Hand over to you. Luke, Thank you very much, everyone, for watching. Here is Luke watching. Here is Luke Wright with the final poem. It's about me missing the naughtier side of my personality. It's called Bring Me My Devil. This virus saw my devil off and left me in the tutelage of my best self, who turns out to be an archbishop, a haughty health fanatic, a McEwen smug lecturer in rimless half moons, hell bent on teaching me the names of trees or marching me across the April fields, ruddy as a camper. Look, a copse. Now life is one long limber up in gym shorts with a tidy hem. I'm wading through a swamp of sourdough, playing chess by second-class post, blinded by order, bleached as pale as the concrete walls of a Soviet-era theatre. God, I miss my devil, shitting like a barn owl down my back, whispering his slanders in my ear. You wouldn't catch him clapping for the nurses or mucking in or queuing for the cop. Hell no, he'll be in some dive bar now, out there in the Shadowlands, some place beyond our squeak comprehension but when they click the combination lock and set us free i'll send for him i'll drag him flailing from his cups and dunk him in the horse's trough i'll scream for him to do his worst to me line him up and get him out unspool my weeks of hearty labor piss on all the ledgers of my soul oh someone bring my devil back to me in a hot throng of leaking bodies in shared saliva at rank urinals in dark places thick with lockdown dust to rob me of my dreamless sleep to feed me saturated fats to mock me as i vomit on my boots and leave me spent and drooling on a stranger's blim popped oxfam couch thank you very much for listening don't forget cosmicshambles.com slash stay at home to catch up on all the previous episodes find out who's coming up on upcoming episodes and to leave a tip for acts and artists and venues who are hit hardest at the moment and if you'd like to support us at the cosmic shambles network patreon.com slash book shambles oh.